you know, people look at their most fun time of the day as five o'clock. Well, I, I don't. I look at it from the morning I wake up to when, you know, I put my head on that pillow. I try to live life, you know, to its fullest with people I love, doing what I love. So it's a win-win-win for everyone. You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Good morning. Welcome to the Business of Thought Leadership podcast. I'm your co-host, Nikki Ballou, along with my phenomenal co-founder and co-host, Michael Palmer. Say hello, Michael. Hello, everybody. And we are super excited to have a phenomenal, fantastic guest for you on today's podcast episode. Our guest today is Tony Guerreri. He is the CEO of Roma Molding, a multi-million dollar company here in Toronto. And his thought leadership is the in the area of culture. Tony is actually known as one of those CEOs who's taken his thought leadership and used it to create a company where people are lining up to go work. He actually gets 50 resumes for every position that comes up at Roma Molding. This company is recognized by people all around the economy as a company that people love working at, where the employees are happy. And people have been wondering, how's this fella done it? What is it about his thought leadership that's brought so many great people into his organization and as a result, helped him achieve double digit growth in a low to no growth industry, which is basically picture frames. Nobody's lining up to open up picture frame stores. And Tony is here as our guest to share his incredible wisdom with us. Tony, we're so excited to have you here, my friend. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm excited to be here. It's great to have you, Tony. We've been following you now for, well, myself, I've been following you and your work at Roma for a good two years, and and it's been it's been awesome to watch, and I'm I'm excited to share this with what you're up up to with the listeners today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, and, and uh, I'm honored to be here amongst you you folks. You guys are doing some great things in the world, and you know my hope today is that someone uh, out there listening, your viewers, ours, you know, definitely get some value um, and apply it to their business. A hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, what's different about you than our average Barrett guest, uh, Tony, is in addition to being a groundbreaking thought leader, you are the CEO of a multi, multi-million dollar business. And your thought leadership actually informs the success of your business. Could you please tell us, first of all, uh, a little bit about your personal history and how you came to be a thought leader in this area that's so near and dear to you? And then how this helps you in running the business. Yeah, thank, thank you, Nikki. You know, uh, I have the privilege and honor of leading, uh, uh, truly leading a, a great curated group of people who make up our brilliant brand called Roma Molding. And Roma was founded 32 years ago. Uh, it is a family business. And, uh, you know, started out from my father back in 1984 and it was no real fairy tale story. He uh, loved working with his hands and got in woodworking and slowly into framing. And you know, today we you know adorn some of the you know best homes in the world. We ship our products, which are picture frames, into the finest galleries, frame shops. We deal with the finest photographers, um, as well as some pretty well-known big box uh, stores as well. So we have we forged some really great partnership over the years. I've been working in the company for 17 years, and recently, uh, just shy of five years ago, 
I became CEO, appointed CEO of the company. Um, and my mandate was we were going to curate a group of people um, who were driven, who were determined, who were fun-loving, who were passionate um, to, to really grow the business. And, uh, you know, our thing was we, we were going to drive their happiness. We were going to focus on what brings them happiness in their life. And then in turn, that happiness just infuses into our partners and they just keep coming back for more of that happiness. And it's a, you know, it's a win, win, win all the way around. We love it. Yeah. And, and, and that's what really came my way around happiness. And, you know, the long and short of it was I, I, I didn't love work. I grew up Italian, but you don't need to grow up Italian to understand this. I, I grew up with the adage that work had to hurt. And if uh, work didn't hurt, then you weren't working hard enough. So, you know, much like you folks, I just worked harder and harder and harder until I just hated waking up to go to work. It's a convoluted cycle, but millions and millions of people around the world do it. Um, but I didn't believe it had to be that way. And, and so that's when we took on uh, a culture strategy some five years ago. And we were going to make work the actual most fun time, you know, of your day. People look at it, you know, people look at their most fun time of the day as five o'clock. Well, I, I don't. I look at it from the morning I wake up to when, you know, I put my head on that pillow. I try to live life, you know, to its fullest with people I love doing what I love. So it's a win-win-win for everyone. Tony, I love it, man. Could you tell us a little bit about exactly what sparked this interest in this particular area of thought leadership for you? What had you What had you go for it? Certainly, you know, I share this with entrepreneurs um, around the world, and and one of the things is, and, and no entrepreneur will ever, you know, really tell you, but I hated what I was doing. I hated what I was doing. I hated who I was doing it with, and I hated who I'd become. I just wasn't enjoying work and it was really painful. And I was traveling, I was doing about 50 to 60 flights a year, flying all over the country, both Canada, the US and Europe. Um, I was away from home over 150 days. And it just, it, I missed all the important events you know, in my life. Um, but more importantly, I wasn't producing the results I wanted. Um, and mainly the result was, how do I live a purposeful life, driving happiness in people? And so, hating work. I was at another trade show. We used to do about 30 trade shows a year. I was at a trade show that was not doing well. And the, the year is about 2008, 2009. And you folks recall it was the global financial crisis. You know, we were making ridiculous stories as to why business wasn't coming in. You know, it was either the weather or it was too hot or it was too cold or it was too close to holiday. And, and I just hated what I was doing until I went out to dinner with great friends and someone who I had just met at the dinner table, after five minute conversation, she handed me a book and said, she's not sure why she's giving this to me, but she thought that I should be having this book and that it would impact my life. And boy, did it ever impact my life. The book was Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea, CEO of Zappos.com. And uh, it was a wonderful story about how a company can drive happiness in their people and drive top results in their business. And I, and I wanted nothing of it. I believed nothing of it. And uh, until I went myself and planted my two feet into that building, sat there for three days, that I truly believe it was possible. And that was essentially the genesis of, of everything that we have today. So you actually went to Zappos' headquarters 
And that's what you mean by planting your feet in that building. You were there, you experienced it all. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, um, I read the book and believed nothing of it. I was cynical, right? I was, I was cynical. I didn't believe that you can be happy at work. I Googled their videos. I Googled their company. I Googled their, their philosophy. I didn't believe nothing of that either. And then they had a tour section where you could take a personal tour of their facility. And my wife and I, you know, I was joking at the time and I said, hey, I, I put the tour. They ain't going to call me. Well, they called me two days later. And, and Nikki, you know me well. Once I commit, I commit. And they said, hey, we have an opening next week. And, uh, you know, next thing I knew, I booked a flight and, and, and actually uh, immersed myself and worked in their company for three days. So they have a, an amazing tour program. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about how this has helped you drive results in the business, this focus on uh, making work the happiest part of your day and having work be a great place for people to hang their hats. You know, I, I think... Um, I think sometimes in the day-to-day work, we, we get caught up on, on certain results or certain KPIs, missing out on, in my opinion, the number one KPI is happiness. And whatever you're doing in life, whether you're part of a leadership group or whether you want to climb Kilimanjaro or you know anything you want to do, it's that euphoric feeling, that happiness feeling that, that you're after. And uh, if you could just picture it, when you're running a race, no one says, I want to lose the race. Everybody starts off the race wanting to win. And if you can imagine that, that finish line, that euphoric feeling of winning that accomplishment, well, business is no different. And I think people, you know, whether you're in IT or sales, people want to win. They want to feel accomplished. They want to feel they've contributed to something. We, we put the happiness of our people before results or before a KPI. That, that is our number one KPI. And we believe, you know, as entrepreneurs, it's our role to create the best sandbox in the world where people can come and play and do some of the best work of their life. And a simple analogy is children. You know, children, when you bring them to a park that's fully equipped with, you know, swings and things like that, you don't have to tell them what to do instinctly. They already know what to do. And try telling them to stop playing. It's a really hard thing to do. And the goal here is how do we have human beings, you know, come here, collaborate, do the best work of their life, and they forget whether they're working or they're playing. And that's really, you know, the the results have really come from that. When you can inspire people to work with other inspired people, the results are magic. It it truly is magical. Tony, we've been out to your... Uh, facilities and, and and we've seen your team having a great time. You've got all sorts of things on the wall, paintings, fun stuff, costumes, toys. You know, people are having a ball. You have a library, you have this great cafe. Like you've really created this, it's almost like a fun house experience when you come in into this building. And which I think is is really cool, which I'd love you to to expand on. But but before that, you know, there's probably entrepreneurs that are listening to this right now, and they're saying, okay, I get, you know, you you're you're creating happiness inside of the organization. But what I think you're doing is you're actually bringing yourself, your who you are, your personality, your authentic self. You're connecting with your audience, which are your employees. And, and that's, that can be difficult. How, how authentic, you know, being authentic takes courage. So I'd like to hear a little bit uh, in terms of how 
other entrepreneurs, leaders of their organization can start to bring out their own authentic personalities inside of their own thought leadership to get their message out and, and reveal where they're taking their vision, where they want to take their company, and then talk a little bit about your, your culture inside of the organization. Yeah, I, th- I think that's an excellent question. You know, whether, whether people want to know it or not, we live in a very open society. I, I personally love it. Michael, I can keep in touch with you on Facebook and not talk to you for a year. This podcast gets heard by millions of people globally. That was never possible 10, 15 years ago. And I think my message to CEOs and entrepreneurs out there is you could live isolated or you could live connected. And the more you become relatable to the people who show up every day, the more they'll come to bat for you because they, they get who you are and they get who you're not. And I think one of the sure wins that we did early on was we, we called a meeting and, and we basically shared with our team where we were winning, certainly, you know, to give them a sense of accomplishment. But also, I think more importantly, we were also sharing where we had done them wrong. And let's face it, people in your companies, uh, for entrepreneurs out there, people know what's going on. You know, you can't hide anything today. And I think that's what's great about the world. And, and when you can go out and be vulnerable and say, hey, you know, we messed up here, or we thought it was going to look like this, but this is what turned out. Or we didn't treat you the way you should have been treated. And, and, and therefore, this is what we're going to be doing. That's what we did early on. And like anything, it takes time to build trust. And once you do, it's magic. But I think along the way is where the magic gets built. You know, you know you're not going to win over somebody day one. People want to see, much like yourself, you've watched me for two years. You didn't call me you know, day two of watching me because you build that rapport. You build that authenticity. That's something that takes a lot of time to build. But once you start building it, there's a great momentum. And all people want to know is that you're real. You know, show who, what you do really great. And also, you know, hire for what you don't do really great. And tell them that you're needed because you can't do that skill or, or that, that task in a fashion as good as they can. Because that's the truth, right? We all know we're not the smartest person in the room all the time. Or at least, you know, I, I believe that. And the truth be told is I need to surround myself with really awesome people. That's why you're all here. If I could do it all, I wouldn't have you guys here. Uh, But the fact of the matter is I want you here. You deliver a lot of value. And so when you become relatable, I I think that's what people want to see. Absolutely. And we talk a lot about the consistency. It's, you know, your, your message, your authentic message, who you are, your history, your experience, all all come together to bring up who you are. And and as well, now you need to get that out to the world. And consistency is required if you just say it one day and never say it again. It, it's not really thought leadership. But where is that starting point? You know, you've done some pretty crazy stuff. Like we've brought people to your company. We literally bring groups into your company to see. It's almost like come see the circus tent to see what's going on. And you're up to like crazy stuff. And people walk out of there, our customers walk out and go, wow, that is amazing. I want that in my organization. I want that kind of culture. Where did you start? Like that must have, there must have been resistance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Listen, I started off by calling a company meeting. You know, when I came back from Zappos, I was so inspired, much like the entrepreneurs who come here today are so inspired. 
And I came back with one commitment and that was it. There were no promises. There were only commitments. And I closed the company down. We have 150 people. We're spread over Canada and the US. We have salespeople all over the country. We shut down the company and we spoke to our people. And again, we told them where we were winning and where we were failing. And the commitment I I made to them five years ago is that we were going to take on culture and we're going to put our people first because we had failed them in certain regards. And once we did that, you know, day one, it wasn't like we had parades and, and, and we were popping champagne. It took time to build, but slowly but surely we did that. But before we can build anything, we needed to know who was in our company. Because as a matter of fact, I didn't know who A were in my company. I knew their names, but I didn't know them personally. I didn't know what their values were. I didn't know what was important in their life. And that's when we took a deep, deep, deep dive into you know, their values. What, what's important to you? What's winning look like? And that, and that took a, a series of a couple of months. But that exploration was brilliant because, you, you know, it, it's kind of crazy. We're, we're inundated with work, but we don't stop to think what's important for the people in our lives. Because once you could find out what's important to them, they will quickly come to back to what's important for you. But I think you need to find out what's important for them before you can do anything. I absolutely agree, Tony. So one of the things that I think sets you apart from the average CEO is that you actually take this really seriously. This is an area that you think deeply about, and this is an area that we call thought leadership. I mean, you built on the work done by Tony Shea, but you've created your own original thinking around this. And the thinking that you've done, it's been a big part of your success. I liken it to, for example, uh, Steve Jobs, a Richard Branson, and Elon Musk. These are people that are out there in the public eye, at least Steve Jobs was until he passed away, God rest his soul. And they would do speeches, they would have events, and Richard Branson in particular even makes money from delivering speeches and having events at his private island. But the real benefit is that people would go and say, wow, this guy's cool, what he's up to is cool, and what I wanna do is I wanna work for him, or I wanna buy his company's products, or if I'm an investor, I want to invest in his next big project. That's where the real value of what they did shined for them as CEOs, as business owners and entrepreneurs. Can you talk to us a little bit about that aspect of what you do and how it helps your business and how it helps everything you do in your ecosystem? Yeah, and I just want to build on that as well, because you've been in Forbes, you've been in business magazines. Like, Talk about how it's not just what's going on inside your company, but your company is known for the type of culture that you're building, which I'm interested in the, the ROI that that's creating with your customers and other stakeholders. Yeah, these are great, great, great questions. So I think um, how I'm going to disseminate this is, you know, I, I always, um, I never set out to be on Forbes, but I did set out to have a, a, a workplace where people love to come to work. And I knew that it wasn't going to be a sprint. And I, and I tell entrepreneurs out there, if, if you're out there for a quarter or one year, don't do it. You're going to fail miserably. You have to take this on. And this is a five to lifetime. So five year to lifetime strategy. We're just right now at the five year mark. We just crossed over. And because this strategy takes time, because it's built with a very, very strong foundation. So I, th- I think for us, because we've been doing it for so long, 
Um, and, and, and let me let me make you know one thing very clear. Our culture is not for everyone. And I think like anything in life, when you can define who you are, you're also defining who you're not and you're attracting the right people. We turn away, you know, 10 times more people than we hire. That's just a fact. And we're very picky with hiring. So I think for us, when we look at our culture, you've asked, you know, how, how do you become recognized or whatever the case may be around Forbes or Business Magazine or Inc.com. I think for us, we've always, you know, aimed to make things great within our company, uh, make our employees happy. And when you do that, people start talking and they start talking about the place that they work. They start to tell their friends about it. Their friends tell their friends about it. And it starts to make waves in, in the marketplace. And then that wave starts to hit your partners. And so your partners, your customers, who we call partners, start to catch wind of it. At first, it's a bit you know, wonky because they're not used to it. But over time, when they start seeing the benefits, when they start seeing the caliber of people that come in, because let's face it, you know, people are everything. And how great you take care of your people will dictate how they take care of you and take care of your partners. So for us, it's been a long and steady road around the curation of people. Uh, we definitely look at our values. So do our values match up with your values? Definitely skill is important. Uh, we can teach skill. We can't teach value. And so early on, it's you know the curation of people that really make up the culture. And then secondly, your value system. What, what do you value? You know, our, our decision-making process has changed dramatically. It's no longer, you know, what would Tony want us to do, but rather what's the right thing to do based on our core values and then ultimately our mission. And then slowly but surely, our partners started to catch wind and actually wanted to change their organizations. We work with, you know, huge big box, multi-million dollar companies like Michael's and, uh, and a few other big box stores who have seen what we've done and want to infuse some of that in their company. So the similarities start to come out. The values start to impact their decision-making. And let's face it, who would not want to do business with a bunch of folks who are actually really engaged and passionate? That's really the end-all be-all. And then from there, we got asked, why are your people happy or what are you doing? And then slowly but surely, we, we hosted tours to give back. You know, I think we're privileged. And if we could help other organizations you know, do the same. Well, what, what would that, you know, make for our economy? What would that do for our families and our schools? And I just believe if, if we focused on this, we'd, we'd actually have a better world, as big as it sounds. You know, I think that's part of what has people want to do business with you, has people want to work for you. So it, insofar as it is altruistic, and it is altruistic, it's also just good business. Yeah, and I think you, you said that really great. Yeah, I, I can't say more on that. You know, we host tours now. Um, we have free tours. We have paid tours. All the, all the money of that tours goes to, to our charity foundation, Roma Wish. You know, and, and let, let's face it, in, in the world with so many challenges, you want to work with people who love what they do. It's infectious. Tony, you said something earlier about understanding what your staff and your employees wanted and where they were at. You know, that's one of the key things that we're talking about inside of the business of thought leadership is understanding your, who, what your listeners, your audience, 
whether it's your customers, whether it's potential customers, what it is that they actually want, getting to really know who they are, become a whisperer of your target market, become a whisperer of your employees. What, what you, you know, you sort of touched upon that, but talk a little bit more about how do you become a whisperer of your employees, of your staff, of your team and your, and your customers and whisperer. I hope you, you, you know, the horse whisperer where, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. The dog whisperer. No, the dog whisperer, all the whisperers, right? So you really have become a whisperer of your, of your, of your team. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. And, and you know, I want to just say out of the gate, this culture has less to do with me and more to do with our people. I, I certainly can't be everywhere all the time. And the culture is such that, you know, we empower our teams and our people to make the decisions on our behalf based on our values. Because the fact of the matter is I, I can't be everywhere. And, and I think that's what makes this self-sustaining. You know, my goal in life is to be able to walk away from, from this company and, and it grow even bigger and better because of the people who were in it, because those folks are the, you know, we have folks who are chopping and joining and, and, and doing some magnificent work. We're also have partners as we speak, you know, speaking with our multi-million dollar customers. Um, and, and we have probably 15 people right now in the call center who, you know, are speaking to our teams 10 times more than I do in a day. You know, the fact of the matter is, you know, are you empowering your teams to, do the necessary things for your partners. I said it earlier, when, when you look out for your team, they'll look out for you. And I, I often say this, when you do that, you start to build trust. And if you could look into your employee and they could look into your eyes and say, I trust this man or this woman, I mean, magical things happen. It's crazy what happens. And, and let me say, I mean, we're not perfect at everything. We, we falter, we make mistakes, but we also fess up when, when we thought it was going to go one way and it, and it didn't. You know, we're human. That, that's just what we're programmed to do. But the fact of the matter is you can't underestimate the trust and integrity and what that plays into your company. Because when someone trusts you, they'll move the building two feet for you w- without even asking. And the analogy I give is I, I'm married w- with a wife and a child. If I go home tonight and, and tell my wife I trust her 99% of the time or 98% of the time, although it's a really, really, really great score, you gentlemen could know how that outcome will be. It won't be good. <laughs> it, and, and even though, I mean, if our kids come home with 98% on their report card, we'd be like, you know, popping champagne. But in, in the area of trust, it doesn't work that way. It's either all in or nothing. It's a little and, like pregnancy, isn't it? You got it. And, and once someone knows that you, you trust them, um, the right person with the right skill, with the right values, in the right team, going in the right direction, I mean, you don't need to inspire those people. They're self-driven. They're passionate. They'll bring you ideas you, you never even thought were possible. So I started out by saying, you know, uh, I'd like to say that our team is self-whispering to one another. I mean, they come up with programs and come up with algorithms. Like, I, I don't even know half of the things, but the results are incredible and they're self-driven. I don't have to inspire them. It's fantastic, Tony. So, Tony, one of the things that we uh, ask every guest on the podcast to talk about is the metrics and the results that their thought leadership has helped generate. Could you speak a little bit about that? I mean, you've been uh, leading this company for uh, just over five years. 
And this methodology that you've uh, put into place has definitely led to some results. Could you speak to those? Like what, what percentages could apply to things like sales, retention, bringing in people, productivity, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think that's very important. You know, I, I want to start off with this. I'll, I'll give you the KPIs in a second. But there's one thing that I often, when, when speaking to large groups, I, I often ask if there's any CFOs in the room. Because right away, they're the folks that want the KPIs. Well, you know, what's the return? What's the money on it? And I often start out by saying, you know, some things just can't be quantifiable, but you know instinctly they will impact your business. And it goes as such. You can hire on C players and ask yourself in your business, is your business truly attracting the top talent? And we'll call those A players. Or are they attracting B and C players, which are fine, but what are they attracting? And instinctively, you don't, you don't need a report to know that. And I often ask them, great, you're hiring on C players and they might not cost you a lot, but what would happen if you had A players? Because if you think it's expensive to hire A players, hire a C player. And I say that because those are the folks that aren't going to be the first in line to serve your customer. Those aren't going to be the first in line for innovation. They're probably going to be you know, somewhere near the middle or the back. And in today's competitive marketplace, you know, talent wins. It, it, it just does. So that's my unofficial KPI. So who are you attracting? And that's more of a litmus test for entrepreneurs. But I think some quantifiable is definitely sales. Do you have a team that can deliver on the promise of your company? You know, in our case, we sell picture frames into retailers globally. And are we getting it on time every day with the quality, with the results, with the design and innovation? And ultimately, those speak loud and clear within sales results. And I'd like to say that our sales results over the last few years um, have certainly you know, gone in the way in which we wanted. Have we you know, broken records every year? No. I, I want to be very frank with you. Although we're in a low growth to no growth marketplace, you know, it's not like people are tripping over themselves to open a frame shop or an art gallery. But we still have managed to grab more market share than any other competitor. And as well, we've been branching into new markets because of the people who are showing up on our teams. So sales is definitely one. Retention. And sometimes retention could be good. Sometimes it could be bad. You know, you have to ask yourself, if no one's ever left your company in a long time, are you challenging your, your team enough? I, you know, that, those are questions you need to ask because the numbers don't always tell the only story. So retention is very important. Do you have too much? You know, what's going on? Are you early on in your culture adoption? Do you have a lot of, you know, naysayers? I, I don't know. But definitely uh, retention's one. Sales is another. And then we have a happiness score. We uh, send out a survey every week at random. And we want to know on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you right now in your role? And th that gives us a great pulse and heartbeat. You know, how's our LA distribution center versus New Jersey versus Atlanta or Toronto? How is our Northeast sales team doing versus the Southeast? Just with one simple question. And uh, I would say that one of the last KPIs that we look at right now, we look at net promoter score. You know, would your employees uh, recommend this company to your family and friends? You know, what are you scaling on that? You know, what number are you hitting? Are you hitting two out of 10 people would recommend or are you hitting eight out of 10? 
and never underestimate, you know, the power of, of simple, you know, surveying, surveying questions like, is the leadership serving you? You know, those, those are those are big questions. Um, and, and it gains us great insights into our business because the more we can serve our employees, the more they'll show up for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you're, you're being very modest. I do want to tip my hat to you, Tony, for creating the culture that you've created. But as well, you're in a, a low to no growth industry, and yet you still are moving the dial on those results. You, you nailed it, right? The CFO is going to start to question some of these moves that you're making. However, what I see you building with your thought leadership and the culture that you're building is a legacy that will live on way beyond yourself and and you're seeing it yourself and your employees are actually taking on that culture and they're owning it. So it's fantastic. It's amazing. You're a, a wonderful example of the power of thought leadership of really revealing yourself, your message to your people, to your customers and the, the results that it can produce. So I, I really, you know, I love what you've shared and I think it's extremely valuable. Well, and thank you, Michael and Nikki. And, and I want to just touch upon one last point. Let's face it. People want to do business with people they like. People want to do business with people they can relate to. People want to do business with people who inspire them. You know, Nikki rifled off some really big names. You know, Steve Jobs, Richard Branson, Elon Musk. These are pioneers. These are people who, despite, you know, naysaying and despite people thinking they're crazy, took it upon themselves to do something great. I know you guys would agree. That's who I would want to partner with. Oh, and that's what, 100%. And, and, absolutely. Right. And, and that's, what, that's what we've been doing. And, and that's, you know, we don't say we get it right all the time, but companies out there today that need an edge will want to deal with a business that's much more open and transparent and who are also willing to fail at times in order to win. Um, and, and I think that's, that's set us apart definitely from from any other company in our industry. Yeah, totally. You know what, Tony? I, I got to say, I totally get your point that you made earlier that it takes time sometimes to build relationships, but I'm one of those guys who's either an instant yes or an instant no. When I heard about you and what you did, I was instantly attracted to it. I think, you know, I, I was I was pestering you to come and do a tour for us well before uh, we even had even solidified our relationship because I really liked the sound of it and what you were up to. And Here's what I want to say in terms of us wrapping this up. What are three expert action steps that you would give to folks listening to this podcast? And specifically, how can they find out more about you as a speaker and uh, more about the, some of the new ventures you're taking on, including your online uh, e-commerce presence? So if you could do that, that'd be great. And we'll wrap up. Sure, sure, definitely. So for the entrepreneurs out there, Here's three important nuggets. Number one, be honest with yourself and be truthful with yourself. Are you attracting and retaining top talent in your industry? You know, and, and don't overthink it. It's either yes or no. And if it's a yes, you know, kudos to you. You're doing an awesome job. If it's a no, well, there's opportunity. And in that opportunity, ask yourself, why aren't they coming to your company? So I would say get in that inquiry. That will definitely set you apart from the competition. I would say number two, find out who's showing up in your company. Take a concerted effort to really dive deep into what the needs are of your team. Do you actually know your people? 
Do you actually know what they value? Do you actually know what's important to them? Do you actually know what winning looks like in their life? You'll be surprised to see what happens when you ask someone, what does winning look like in your life? You know, what do you ultimately want? And how can I help you get there? You will be astonished to what they say. And I would say number three, as an entrepreneur, it could be a lonely place at times. Ensure you have the proper networks and surround yourself with the right people. And when I say the right people, the people are going to take you out of your comfort zone. The people are going to push you a bit to think differently. The people who are up to epic shit, as we call it, because every time I'm around those folks, nothing but great things come out of it. And I find myself giving and taking, um, learning and sharing, and it just just fuels my day. And it just so happens, Michael and Nikki, you're, you're definitely two men I, I uh, look up to. I think you folks are doing great things in the world. That's why I surround myself with you folks. And listen, I've learned a tremendous amount from you folks. And, and I hope that you've gained uh, one or two insights in, into the things I do and how it can help your life. And then lastly, I would say if, if, if there's entrepreneurs out there that want to connect with me, definitely I'm very easy to connect with. I have my own website at Tony, T-O-N-Y, Guerreri, G-A-R-E-R-I.com. As well as you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn and all those other fun things. I write a blog, I public speak, and we hold awesome tours. So reach out. You bet. We'll have all of that in the show notes as well. If you go to the business of thoughtleadership.com, you can get links, get uh, Tony's social media connections and, and connect with Tony. 100%. And Tony, you know what? We both consider you to be a pioneering thought leader in the area of culture and business culture. You don't just think about it and talk about it. You actually live it and do it. Uh, we've learned a ton from you. Our customers have as well. It's an honor to have had you on this podcast. We are thrilled that you've shared your wisdom and your insight with our listeners. And we're looking forward to doing this again at some point in the future with some new fresh stuff that uh, you can help uh, our people chew on and think about. Thanks again, Tony. And this is Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer signing off for the business of thought leadership. You've been listening to the business of thought leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening.